Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Bowie. Holy moly. Oh. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, happy Sunday. How's it going? Happy Sunday, Will. Um, it's going all right. It would have been a lot worse if the Kings had blown that game against the Heat last night that I was sure it was going to happen, and it, it didn't happen. So we're one and four, and maybe we can be a little bit positive today, but I guess we'll find out how it goes. He's a former GM of a championship-winning fantasy basketball team, renowned Twitter analyst, Ridgepoint Elementary School Hall of Famer, the managing editor of the Kings Herald, and the ruiner of all things sacred, Greg Wissinger. Greg, so glad you can be here with us today. Oh, me too. I mean, some big shoes to fill, but I, I think as the intro uh, states, I, I'm more than qualified. <laughs> uh, guys, this podcast is coming a little later and a little stranger than what we'd originally intended. I had an emergency uh, a family matter that came up right before some wedding festivities out in Arizona last week. Uh, I got back and Jerry's out today with some much needed rest. So the Kings Herald squad has uh, started the season off with some early DMPs, but luckily enough, we are, uh, we're a deep squad and Greg's there to uh, step into the unfillable position of Jerry today. So deep. So deep, so deep. We run 15 deep easy. Yeah. We are the Clippers of, of, of independent basketball journalism. Getting into the regular season now, the Kings are one and four with losses to the Blazers, Clippers, Warriors, Grizzlies, before finally getting into the wind column uh, last night with a game against the Heat. And I guess I want to start there. Um, I noticed as I was out in Arizona, I was kind of scrolling uh, and there was a, it felt like there was a bit of doomerism after that, uh, after that Grizzlies game. So I guess the first question out of the gate is, are you guys at all surprised by this team start? Is this what you expected, or uh, where do you fall in terms of the uh, the the one and four start for the Sacramento Kings? I mean, it's pretty much what we expected as soon as the schedule came out, right? I mean, I even went back uh, when I was writing up the preview for the Heat game and looked at some of the comments on the schedule of release post, and pretty much all of us were saying Kings will probably be like one and four or zero oh and five to start the season, like, and. I was disappointed that they had dropped the Blazers game. That one had seemed like the most winnable and, and the closest. Right. And so I was like, okay, we're probably looking at Oh, and five, but, you know, so at one and four, like, yeah, we're about where I expected because they had a rough opening slate against some really good teams. Yeah. Tony, what about you? Yeah. The record isn't so shocking or disappointing. Some of the context is super frustrating, especially watching the team like Sabonis just in foul trouble every night and then getting absolutely nothing out of Davion Mitchell 
Uh, Harrison Barnes has been pretty bad for the most part. Um, Rashawn Holmes has kind of been a zero. So yeah, the record is predictable, but when you're actually watching the games, there's just a lot of annoying things that, that does kind of bring back some of the, the Kings doom, I guess we're kind of comfortable. And it's like, Oh man, like they finally got a guy like Sabonis and he can't stay on the court. Harrison Barnes is not playing well. So the context is what has been, what has made it more frustrating to me than just the record. Yeah, I think one of those things that uh, we all looked at the schedule when it came out and it was kind of like, oh, this this first like opening stretch of games is absolutely terrible. And if you'd have come to me here, if you'd gone back to the past, like, hey, you get nothing out of Rashawn Holmes. Hey, you get nothing, you know, very little out of Harrison Barnes. Hey, Davion Mitchell just barely exists sometimes. Like the bench is not nearly as good as you think it's going to be. And and we still end up like, yeah, we're one in four. But some of these games are fairly close games. Like they were they were sticking with the Clippers. They came back against the Warriors like. These are all moral victories, so to say, but like the fact that the, they were at least close in these games is, is a difference in my opinion than it was to like, say last season when it's like, we're going to lose this game by 30 if Rashawn Holmes doesn't step up and have a, a fantastic defensive game. Now it's like, okay, they're the starters are absolutely carrying the bench right now and they're losing by seven. Like, okay. Like there's an improvement in there somewhere. It's still an L, but it's, it's an improvement in my mind, I guess, as a Kings fan. And there were probably always going to be some growing pains with a new coach, so many new players, guys need time to gel, you know, and yeah, those things have been frustrating to see, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if we can work through some of those early issues against the tough part of our schedule, when we maybe expected some losses anyway, like I'd much rather have that than like be figuring these things out and, and drop a very winnable game against a weaker opponent that, you know, the Kings quote unquote should win, you know, cause yeah, it's nice to steal wins against good teams, but it's more important to take care of business on the games that you're supposed to win. And so I'd rather have the growing pains against the tougher opponents anyway. No, I totally agree. I think the schedule is such that like it really softens up in January and February. And I'd rather them, they're going to play three games against the Warriors here. I think in this this first month, two months, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like I'd rather get those out of the way early, let them learn from those games and in, in, in what could be scheduled losses last season, but might be losses this season. And then when it comes up against a team where you know that they should beat them, then they're ready to go. They're rearing to go near the end of the season at the softer part of the schedule where they can hit a run and, and, and carry that momentum forward into a potential play-in situation or a playoff situation, depending on how, how, many, how many winnable games they actually win this season. Uh, Tony, is there anything this season uh, so far in this one and four start that has surprised you? Um, I mean, there's been a, a, a several surprising things, I guess, some good, some bad. I think the, the most, um, it's weird to call this a surprise because I had hoped it to be true. And I, I kind of expected because he's so talented that at some point he would figure it out. But I think De'Aaron Fox just being one of the best players in the league through, uh, through five games is, is, again, surprising only because he hasn't done it before because he's been such a consistently slow starter. To have him come out and be really incredible like beyond beyond what I thought would even be possible for him this early in the season I because we all said we talked about it on this podcast many times about how important it was for him to have a strong start and we were saying things like he just needs to be average he just needs to be okay well he's playing like the best basketball of his career right now I looked up some numbers before we started uh recording and Fox is shooting 83 percent from the rim his career average is roughly 63%. So he's, he's literally playing the best basketball of his career as terms of, in terms of a finisher. He's shooting 39% from three, which is also a career high. And I even think his defense, while not perfect, has not been a problem at all. And there were times throughout his career where it was actually, it was, it was hurting the Kings. His defense was a problem. So he's been decent on defense and just really top 10 in the league, if not higher 
on offense. So I guess I'll, I'll throw that as a surprise, even though uh, he always had the talent to do that. It was just a matter of, of having him do it. Greg, are you surprised by uh, Fox's start? Not surprised in the sense that we always knew he was capable of it, but yeah, he started slow for so many seasons and, you know, the defense has been the biggest surprise for me. You know, he's definitely playing above where I expected him to be on offense and he's, you know, contributing across the board. You know, he's rebounding well, he's getting assists, he's scoring like a maniac, like, but his defense has really been the biggest and best surprise. I mean, like last night against the heat, Tyler Hero's going off and, and just killing the Kings. And suddenly like De'Aaron Fox is checking him and like frustrated him and one-on-one stopped him. Like two plays in a row. Like when's the last time De'Aaron Fox stopped anyone two plays in a row, let alone like a guy who's in the middle of a hot run. Like it, it's really great to see that, you know, he's putting those physical tools that we always thought could translate to at least average defense, right? Like no one expects him to be a lockdown defender and, the Kings don't need him to be a truly elite defender, but yeah, if he can really lock in on a guy for a couple of plays and, and just play kind of average defense where he's not a turnstile and not a huge problem. I mean, we've seen him all five games. He's fighting through screens and, you know, really, you know, he's calling out defensive assignments and he's doing everything we hoped he could do and, and becoming the player we always hoped he could be. And it's only five games. So I don't want to get too far ahead of anything. Right. But it's been really great to see him playing at this level. That was one of those things that uh, Jerry and Tony and I have talked on the podcast before about like what Fox has to do this season. And we, I think we kind of all agree that if he plays average defense, we don't need him to score almost 30 a game. Like it's okay if he's sitting around that it might even be better for the team. If he scores less at the 20, 22 point range, if he's playing good defense, he can, you know, he can facilitate for, you know, he can use a bonus more and he doesn't need to be that, that elite score. And then all of a sudden he comes into this season and it's 28 points a game. He's shooting 82% from the from the free throw line. He's shooting at 30 over 39% from the three-point line on on six attempts a game. And so of things like, oh, you, and he's playing average defense, if not maybe a tick above to start the season. Like, oh, you can you can do all of it. Oh, you can you can you can be an average defender and also score almost 30 a game. Like, oh, then that's a that's a huge boon for the Kings to start off, I guess. And it's one of those things that it, it dropped my jaw a couple of times. There's already been a few plays this season where I've been like, oh, sh- I've never seen that from Fox. And now I'm seeing it multiple times a game. And uh, though the one and four start isn't, isn't, you know, pretty, it is one of those things that at least seeing improvement from your star player, from the best player on your team, that that's a huge boon come later this season, I think. Um, is there anything else team-wise that has surprised you? Are you guys surprised by the slow start from the bench just in kind of as a general unit? Everyone seems to have started a little bit slower outside of maybe Terrence Davis a little bit or is this something again that Greg you said we 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 expected growing pains from the Kings and this is just part of that I mean yeah we expected some growing pains but I have been surprised by how bad the bench has been particularly uh, Rashawn Holmes and Davion Mitchell like those are the two guys that I figured would kind of anchor that second unit and it's like they're both guys that kind of have that chip on their shoulder where they feel like they should maybe be starting and it's like you guys are averaging like less than five points a game each. Like <laughs> what are you doing with your minutes? Like go out and show us, like, if you think you deserve more, like make the most of your opportunity and man, they have been bad. And I'm really hoping it's just kind of, you know, settling in for Davion, you know, cause he started a little slow last year too. And so maybe he's on the Fox path where he's just going to start slow every year and, and then pick it up. But uh, 
it's been real frustrating to watch those two in particular. I mean, the, the bench as a whole, we expected to be better, but those two have been the, the most frustrating for me as a kind of a negative surprise to start the season. Tony, is this jitters or is this a, a trend that we should be watching uh, that goes deeper than just, hey, the first five games of the season are going to be rough for some people? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think the, the bench was supposed to be a highlight for yeah. this team. Like they, we talked about how deep they got and we we uh, applauded McNair for his offseason in large part because it allowed them to not have to play guys like Chemezi Metu and, and other deep bench players like this was supposed to be a pretty decent bench. And I still think it can be. Um, but if you're not going to get a lot out of Davion Mitchell and Rashawn Holmes, that's tough. I mean, that's your your best young player off the bench is Davion Mitchell and your highest paid player off the bench is Rashawn Holmes. And it's not for lack of opportunity, especially for Holmes. I think uh, we've kind of said it like, oh, it's hard for Holmes to live up to his contract and value when Sabonis is playing 35 minutes a night. Well, Sabonis has been in foul trouble. He has not been playing a lot. So this is the, the most minutes Rashawn Holmes is probably going to get all year if he continues to play off the bench. And he's just been a zero. And you and you know that like Mike Brown is sort of feeling this way too because Mike Brown has been shuffling in other bigs. We saw a little bit of Alex Len against Miami. There was another uh, night earlier this year we saw a little bit of Alex Len. So I don't know if Len is going to eat into his minutes even more if, if Holmes continues to not perform. But you can tell things are off for Holmes if um, – and this is last night in the heat game, he took a floater, his classic floater that felt like it went in 99% of the time for three years. And it was a complete brick. It went like left rim was not even close. And it was just his typical Rashawn Holmes floater. So something there is still, still not clicking, not right. And uh, he's owed a lot of money this year and next year. It would be nice if, if they get their money's worth out of backup center, especially if the referees are going to continue officiating Sabonis, how they have been um, where he just can't, can't stay on the floor I mean, I just look at like like I said last night I mean Sabonis basically didn't play the second half for majority of the second half Holmes finished with 21 minutes and scored five points had four rebounds like was almost non-existent for long stretches like I'm missing the homes that we used to have where you know when he first got here and would come off the bench and was just a monster just a ball of energy and making the hustle plays and making his impact with whatever minutes he got to the point where you couldn't hold him back. You couldn't keep him on the bench anymore. Like I want that guy back because I know, I I know that Holmes can do that and be that guy and bring the energy off the bench. And I don't know why he can't or hasn't done it up to this point. Yeah. It feels like to me, like a guy who got a starting job taken by a much better player and is now just kind of like, I don't want to say dragging his feet. I don't want to accuse him of not being a motivated player, but he just looks like a different player. Yeah. And, I, and I can also chalk it up to, I mean, there's a, a thousand different excuses I can make up in my mind. Oh, maybe it's the goggles. Maybe he got smacked in the eye enough times last year where he's still adjusting to the goggles. Maybe it's the scheme where he's still trying to figure out where he fits into the scheme. But Holmes looks like a different player out there. And unfortunately, he ended last season looking like that player. So to book in that into the start of this season, looking that way, it, it feels like just at my ape brain looking for trends. It looks like a trend to me. And it sucks because that that player, that Rashawn Holmes, that Greg, as you mentioned, that is an absolute firebrand. He's he would be useful on this team and he would get attention. And if he wanted to go to a different team where he needed to start, the best way to do that is to go out there and ball out. And and we just haven't seen it from him to start. It is one of those things. I, I wanted to we we've gone almost 20 minutes in this podcast without discussing his play to start the season. But uh, Sabonis, uh, I'm curious to you guys, are, is he matching expectations to you? Do you feel like this is a referee thing where he's still figuring it out? And so the disappointment is more 
on level with because of outside extenuating circumstances, but 14 and a half points. We're talking uh, nine, uh, nine rebounds, a little over five and a half assists. Uh, playing only Tony, as you mentioned, he's not playing 37 minutes. He's, he's playing 28, you know, almost 29 minutes a game. Uh, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys assess as the, the start of a uh, DeMontis season and, and, and how he's impacted the Kings? Well, I mean, it's been definitely slower than we expected, but even the games when he's not scoring a lot, he's still been having an impact in different ways. I mean, he's kind of filling up the box score across the board with, you know, with rebounding, assists, steals. Uh, rebounds did start a, a little of that first game. It was a little concerning, yeah. but he's kind of bounced back since. Uh, and, and that really was what made the foul trouble in the Miami game so frustrating was he was off to what I think was the best game of his season so far, where he was, you know, scoring. The Kings were finding good ways to get him mismatches inside, and it, it felt like a lot of that was by design. Like they were really working to make sure that he was a featured part of the offense and get him going. And, and he was doing really well in the fouls. I mean, I hate to be a guy harping on the refs, but man, those were some awful calls, <laughs> especially like the the ones in the second half that got him out. Like, oh my god, it was bad. Uh, it, it's telling when your coach has to burn one of his challenges to take back a foul on Sabonis and he still is fouled out in the first couple of minutes, like <laughs> ridiculous, but I digress. Uh, so a little bit of a slow start, but he has been contributing in a lot of ways and I'm not worried at all. Sure. Tony, what about you? Are you worried at all about this? Uh, I'm only worried about the foul trouble. Cause I don't know. I mean, the officiating in the NBA is so inconsistent. I don't know what the long-term solution for this is. Like in Indiana, he had a lot of uh, Miles Turner minutes kind of taking the brunt of, of rim protection and uh, another big defender in the paint. He really is the only big guy on the court for the majority of the time he is on the court for the Kings, which is good on offense. Like that's how the Kings should play. Uh, like the NBA now is, is that kind of a league where you do have one center, but Sabonis has just got to not foul and, or the officials have to have to treat him a little bit better. So that, I mean, I'm disappointed in that, and I don't know that that will magically fix itself. Hopefully it will, but I don't know. I could see Sabonis having foul trouble a lot of times this year, which is very unfortunate for the Kings. I don't know how they fix it. I don't know what scheme they could run. Maybe you you put Keegan Murray uh, on opposing centers at times if they're not huge scorers just to get someone else to take those fouls because the Kings guards, uh, while they have been better, they still let a lot of players to the rim and Sabonis is there kind of picking up the pieces and picking up foul trouble. So I'm not worried in that. I think he'll perform very well when he's allowed to stay on the court, but I am kind of worried about this foul trouble thing, not really being an easy fix. No, it's one of those things that it's both sides of the floor for me that are a little bit, not scary necessarily, but it's like, okay, this is happening after 20 games. I'm going to have to start being concerned. He scored over 13 points just twice this season so far. He's, you know, the rebounding is going to be fine. But, you know, when you see a stat line, like, oh, Sabonis, uh, uh, he, he wound up with four rebounds tonight. He wound up with seven rebounds tonight. You're like, oh, shit, these guys lost by by 45 points. And then, you know, everybody else picked it up a little bit. But it is one of those things that uh, he's a guy that we expected to, 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 to average 17 to 20. And he hasn't he hasn't scored over 20 this season so far. And again, we're, we're not being doomy five games into the season. It's just as a trend, you go, okay, this is something that has certainly surprised me to start this season and uh, not necessarily in a good way, but, uh, but, but, but I guess it, it is, it is what it is. Um, 
Um, Mike Brown's coaching so far this season, this is something that I've seen people kind of uh, even talking heads in Sacramento have been like, I'm a little disappointed in what Mike Brown's done to start the season, uh, a little bit frustrated with certain rotations or a little bit frustrated that he's held stars out a little bit longer to end a third quarter or to start a fourth quarter. Uh, what's the impression you guys have gotten from Mike Brown's uh, start to the season and uh, how he's done so far in managing the games for the Kings? I mean, it hasn't been perfect, but he's still figuring out his roster he's and he's openly said he's still figuring out his rotations and all of that and uh i think the biggest one was uh the grizzlies game i I felt like the starter should have come back in like the timeout at nine minutes instead of the one he had to take a minute later (laughs) with like eight minutes left like it was like that trend looked like it was going that way and so yeah there's some frustration but um yeah, for the most part, I mean, it's like, okay, well, he's figuring out what he has. And, you know, we've seen, you know, especially some of these bench guys, right? Like, you know, Lyles versus Metu. I mean, we've, you know, we've had more exposure to all these guys. So we kind of have a sense of like, no, Mike, what are you doing? That That's not the answer, <laughs> you know, but like, these are new pieces for him in a lot of ways. And so he's figuring out what works. And, and I give him credit for the fact that he hasn't stubbornly stuck with things that aren't working. Like, we're five games in and we've seen a lot of different versions of a rotation. And I mean, against the heat, that seemed like the rotation that I expected when I looked at the roster going into the year. And so like, if it took him four whole games of experimentation to settle on finding the right rotation, I'm, I'm okay with that compared to Luke Walden. Who's like, well, we can't really change a lineup for 10 games. Cause we got to figure out what we have. It's like, <laughs> no, like you can figure out that that didn't work and try something else and see if it works. <laughs> like, <laughs> Honey, what about you? What do you think about that? Yeah, Mike Brown has had a short leash with a lot of guys, and I and I can see both sides. Like there are, I've definitely seen the takes on Twitter where it's like, oh, he's playing twelve guys, but I also kind of like that he's pulling guys who aren't playing well. So it is a, it is, you can see both sides of that. The one, the the move that I hated the most, I guess, and it, he has um, fixed it fairly quickly, and we haven't really talked about this yet. But Casey Okpala started three <laughs> games this year, and we yeah. really haven't seen him since. Yeah. Um, and Keegan Murray has been incredible. So from just a, from a broad, like assessing what the coach is seeing standpoint, that seems like a silly move to me. I'm not sure. Like that would be the thing with Mike Brown. Then I'm like, wait a minute. In what world would you think this is the right move here? And then you're already going from like, you thought this guy was good enough to start for three games and now we can't even find any minutes. So that's the one that I think is a little bit more weird as far as like a, evaluating what players are on your roster standpoint than any of this like quick leash yanking of bench players because the whole bench has kind of sucked so i don't mind him shuffling chairs there to try and find a combination that works the oak pala starting thing from the beginning has always been kind of weird to me and that's the one where i'm like i don't know mike brown what 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 happened here um but i guess it's you know like greg said it's pretty early so we'll see how this shakes out in 20 games or so when the rotation maybe settles a little bit more i've gotten my notes here tony that uh it's kind of the in case of emergency break glass ask tony about casey oak Paul starting three games <laughs> yeah. so I, i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up because that was a weird one to me especially considering now five games into the season a guy like keegan murray's averaging uh 36 and a half minutes a game he's second on the team in scoring averaging just under 19 points a game uh is there anything you guys uh, have taken away from keegan murray uh, in his rookie season other than like he's pretty awesome and he's going to be a pretty awesome player for a long time in the league well i mean it was funny because there was like a little stretch in the third quarter last night where he was making some mistakes like kind of really badly missed a shot and it was like oh he's human like he he's gonna make some rookie moments <laughs> yeah. right but like 
it speaks to how good he's been that we're all kind of surprised by like seeing him like miss a shot or like have a turnover. <laughs> like, I mean, he's adapted so quickly and so cleanly to playing at the NBA level. And it, it maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise after, you know, okay. He was good in college. And then he you know, was good in California classic and good in summer league and good in preseason. It's like every step of the way, he's just looked great. So it's like, we maybe should have been surprised, but man, it's fun having a rookie who's just an immediate contributor and, you know, the Kings aren't expecting him to fix everything, but he fits in perfectly and just kind of lifts everything around him. And it's so nice to have him on the team. <laughs> I, I, I took a, I took my sister and her boyfriend to uh to the Clippers game. Uh, this, this guy came from Scotland. He, he doesn't watch the Kings. He doesn't watch the NBA and about two shots into Keegan Murray's career. He was like, how old is this kid? And I'm like, he's 22. It's his rookie season. I went, yeah. He's like, Holy hell, you know, and and so uh, Keegan took a three somewhere in the in the third quarter, something like that. And I already heard him just he was just like, oh, that's going in. And it was like, oh, like if somebody who doesn't watch basketball that can can immediately see the impact of Keegan on the floor in his very first game in the NBA, it was like, oh yeah, okay, this guy is gonna be really really good. And I might be swallowing some Jaden Ivy takes someday, but uh, he, he to me he's a little bit like the Terminator. Like when you watch the Terminator, is not hundred percent accuracy. But if if he if he's got a clear shot, he's gonna blow somebody's head off. And like, it's one of those things that like Keegan Murray, when he's open, I expect it to go in every single time. And that's an insane thing to think about for a kid who's played all of five games in the NBA here. Yeah, it's weird talking about Keegan Murray. To me, almost feels like boring because I have nothing to say. He's just been awesome. Like, what can you say? He he. It's also a basketball cliche, but you would never guess he was a rookie. Some of the shots that he takes, like trailing early in the shot clock threes, where you're like, oh, maybe a rookie would be a little bit more selective there trying to find his role in the team. Nope. Keegan Murray is just pulling up whenever he's open, which is exactly what you want to see. They go. I have so much confidence in him when the shot goes up. I just think it's going in because like Greg said, I've seen him do nothing but make most of his threes through every step of like the NBA process, whether it was summer league preseason or the NBA. And the one stat with him that I'm watching um, just for fun is uh, I think I mentioned it on the show before, but Donovan Mitchell has the record for most threes in a single season um, at, for a rookie. And he averaged 2.2 threes made per game in that, in that record breaking season. Keegan Murray is making 3.3 threes per game right now. And sure he could slump, but I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, he just, he has a very good shot. And I always, you know, watching a little bit of Keegan Murray in college, I knew he was a good shooter, but he might be, and is very well on the road to being an elite, elite elite shooter at six uh, at six eight which is a, a huge win for a team that figures to have De'Aaron Fox here for a while um so yeah I couldn't couldn't say any more nice things about how Keegan Murray is playing oh Greg I thought you were gonna say something go ahead I was just gonna add I mean yeah through five games 7.8 threes a game and he's making 41.9 percent it's just and it doesn't look fluky it's not like oh that one took a lucky bounce win in it's no like he's barely moving the net on half of these shots. Like it's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, and he's also been really good on the defensive end. I mean, he's not an elite lockdown defender. He's not an elite rim protector. And if we want to be nitpicky, like, yeah, it'd be great if he could be at that level, but he's a solid defender. Like he's switchable. He, he's such a good fit for what this team needed from their like forward next to Sabonis. And, you know, to compliment Sponus and Fox, it's just a, a perfect fit. And 
man, he's a good player. <laughs> I, I was on Twitter the other day and I saw somebody was tracking uh, Benedict Matherin's uh, three pointers because he is also above the, uh, the Donovan Mitchell line in terms of like heading into the, and he's had a fantastic rookie season to start not, yeah. not to take anything away from him, but it was one of those things I'm like, damn, Matherin's really shooting really well. And like, there, I mean, he's, he's great over there for Indiana. And when I checked the stats last night about uh, Keegan Murray, I went, Keegan Murray's hit more threes than Benedict Matherin. Like, like, because uh, Tony, you brought that up of the last podcast episode about, about, oh, can he, can he beat that record and how it felt like he could. And I, I was like, it, it took me a second to be like, oh no, this kid is, this kid's shooting more, hitting more threes than, than Matherin, who he's getting a little bit of hype around that kind of thing. It's like they might end up beating the pole position there for, for Donovan Mitchell for most threes in a rookie season, though five games in is a little early for us to start hyping that up a little bit. We're going to get our, our Reek Roy campaign going, but for, for Keegan to hit. Please. <laughs> he's also not shooting him in a way that feels, Greg, you said it doesn't feel fluky, but it also doesn't feel like a hot streak either. Like, yeah. you, you know, sometimes you're watching a guy, like, oh, he's in the middle of a special streak right now. No, he's hitting everything. He's, he's, just, he's just a micro... Keegan Murray's just very boring, very blandly, very like room temperature milk hitting three point threes and three point three threes a game for 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 the Kings. It's not it. You're right. It does not feel fluky in the least, and uh, that terrifies me a little bit because uh, because when he uh, when he gets his feet under him a little bit, when he gets his sea legs, like do we have a six seven uh, Clay Thompson on our hands? Do we have a like where where does it stop for a kid who though twenty two like has a lot of growing room left in his game and uh that that makes me excited more than just about anything like if the kings are gonna not make the playoffs this season like at least i've got one guy to watch that like though i may be disappointed and grumpy about the season if they totally fall out of place like keegan murray is going to be a good consolation prize to watch the whole season long so i appreciate that about him um one thing i want to bring up about mike brown's coaching too and and i want to talk about the defense a little bit here uh, on uh, uh on these first five games um, the defense was hyped up. We're, we're hoping for an average defensive team and how much that's going to end up helping the Kings. And you know, the Kings have to get to a certain spot in the rankings in order to make the playoffs, whatever we're going to talk about here. Um, opponents points per game uh, for the Kings is that uh, the Kings are 23rd in the NBA, which uh, to their credit is six spots better than they were uh, after all of last season. The defensive rating, the 24th in the NBA, which is a, a whole total of three spots better. What have you guys made of the Kings defense? Is this more uh, uh, the, the, uh, the level of competition that they're playing at? Uh, is this more a uh, uh, Kings being Kings? Is this more uh, they're going to take a whole season to, to really fit into the Mike Brown uh, style of coaching here? I mean, I don't think any of us expected Mike Brown to have them be a top 10 defense. Uh, just with the roster that's currently constructed, that was never that realistic. I mean, I was hoping that they could just – kind of be somewhere around 20th maybe better right like like kind of on the low end of average with the king's offensive production that should be good enough to again i mean this team does not have championship aspirations at this point yeah. like like yeah eventually you need to have better defense if you're wanting to actually advance further in the playoffs but for the goals that the kings have right now they kind of you know establish themselves as a team that can win and make the playoffs and you know maybe even win a playoff game someday like I don't need them to be elite. I need them to just not be in the absolute basement. And it is still really early. You know, there's so much noise in, in those stats. I mean, I think before the Miami game, I think they were like 28th or something like that. Like it, it swings a lot game to game right now. So I'm not taking too much from it, good, bad, or otherwise. Like we've seen the games. We know that the defense has still been an issue and they've still given up a lot of points in a lot of quarters. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, 
I'm not taking any hard and fast conclusions. I, I think that we've seen enough encouraging things where I believe the defense at the end of the year, I think the defensive rating will be better than it was last year. I feel confident about that. It's hard to be worse, but <laughs> I, I, how much better? Like, yeah, it's probably going to be incremental improvement year over year. It's, it's not going to be a massive leap. I wouldn't guess. Yeah. The defense has not been pretty good. I do think there are two areas that we can maybe realistically expect them to get better. I don't think they're going to get much better, like protecting the rim or even defending from three, they can get a little bit better from there, but this has been a problem for a lot of the guys on this team for a while. But two areas where they are really just awful on defensive, defensively right now where they can improve a little bit maybe is uh, free throws against. I think they're 29th in the league in opponent free throws, so they just need to stop following across the board. And I guess you could say, you know, some might say that's aggressive defense. You know, you like they're getting into, into players, but if you're going to do that, fine. It seems to me right now that they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit with how uh, how much they're following. So that needs to cut down. And it's one of those things where I think it can cut down. And the other thing they're not really generating, which I, I, I know Mike Brown wants to, and I do think this team actually has the personnel to do is uh, drawing more turnovers. Uh, I think they're somewhere at the bottom of the league in turnover generating. And I, that seems to me like a thing that can improve. You've got like, you've kind of uh, given up the rim for more mobility on defense between Fox and Herter and Barnes and Keegan Murray. Those are, relatively switchable players uh herder is pretty long fox is pretty long murray and barnes are for for a four three combination is a pretty mobile group so you can generate more turnovers i think out of that group and their defense should be a a good turnover generating crew too between davion mitchell and uh rashawn holmes is usually a a fairly decent mobile perimeter defender so draw more draw more turnovers stop fouling and i think your defense can improve in in a little bit in a realistic type of way instead of expecting to suddenly defend the room well which i don't think is ever going to happen greg i see you shaking your head there yeah and i think that just goes back to that idea of those incremental improvements right like this team has obvious defensive limitations that aren't going to magically be fixed like Sabonis is not going to become a shot blocker like that's just not his game uh i don't think he's necessarily quite as awful as a big man defender as some of his reputation was it i mean there has been issues with him trying to guard and and not drawing fouls so there's kind of a learning curve there with some of the defensive assignments that like tony said earlier you know maybe before those were more on miles turner and and now sabonis is dealing with them but i mean like i think it the scheme can cover certain things it's not going to cover everything like there's just always going to be certain issues and you have to try to kind of improve on those margins where it's realistic. Kind of what Tony was saying. I just agree that, yeah, they're not going to be a good rim defending team, but it may be that perimeter defense, you know, tighten up, you know, defensive rotations can improve to where you're kind of recovering quicker and, and not giving up some open shots. Like there's ways to continue to improve. And I would expect to see those, especially given the fact that, Mike Brown actually is holding guys accountable for blown defensive assignments, which we haven't really seen like since Dave Yeager was in town, like that, that matters. And that accountability drives action, hopefully. So uh, I think there's reason to believe that the defense can continue to improve as the season goes along, but it still will probably be below average in the NBA. Yeah. I think we talked about this earlier in the off season, but when we were making predictions and whatnot, I felt like it was going to take at least a year before the Kings really could, you know, if Mike Brown's walking in with a bunch of binders full of defensive schemes, like, like Demata Sabotis is going to need more than five games to figure out what the hell he's doing. 
you know, even though they're professional level basketball players, you know, each, each system is unique in itself. And there's obviously some low points like uh, player fouls are the worst in the, in the league in terms of fouls, but those, those aren't because they're generating a lot of steals because they're in the bottom three in steals. They aren't generating a lot of blocks, obviously they're in, I think the bottom five in blocks, but like when you're like squinting at certain things, like, like opponents shoot the second least amount of three pointers against them in the NBA. Now they shoot them at a 41% clip, which isn't great, but like you can like kind of squint and be like, all right, like my kid's macaroni noodle art is not good, but like I could see a, a small spark of genius in there somewhere because I love him, but it is a, it, it's a little few and far between right now. And, uh, and so I, 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 I try not to get too, I'm trying not to get too low today. If Jerry were here, he would, he'd be able to tell us like, oh, no, 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 no. He, he's smart enough to, to find something that I'd have been like, oh, okay. I didn't think about that. All right, Jerry, now I'm still hyped for the season. I'm not Jerry. I'm talking about macaroni noodle art. So we're uh, we're uh, we're still holding our our breath here for uh, for the Sacramento Kings Renaissance on the defensive end, but uh, but it's slowly coming. I agree with you guys. Um, so so what's something we we've seen five games. What's something that you guys are forecasting or looking out for in the next five to ten games in terms of improvement or in terms of a trend to watch or something that you're like oh got to keep an eye on that one, whether that's positive or negative for the Kings. Can I keep it very simple? and just say that uh, they got to start winning some games and you've got the Hornets and the Heat and the Magic up next. You could be four and four by the end of that stretch. Beating Miami in Miami is going to be tough, but you you got to win against the Hornets and you got to win against the Magic. Um, and that's kind of all, all there is to it for me in, is in a very basic sense. And yeah, the big thing I'm looking for is consistency. Uh, Aaron Fox, can he keep consistently playing at this level on both sides of the floor? Um, you know, can Harrison Barnes get some consistency, right? It's, it's kind of like both a, a good and a bad thing. Like there's been positive things that might be an outlier. There's been negative things we're hoping there's now that are outliers. So it's like, okay, let's kind of figure out what is real and what isn't as we progress through the season and have a better idea of what this team really is. Yeah, Greg, similar to you, like I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for a return to normalcy for uh, for Barnes, Holmes and Mitchell. I think I think it's the biggest thing like you can you can put Chima Maneki in there all you want to to try to motivate Harrison Barnes to kickstart his season into playing better. You, you can you can start Casey Okapala and, and and tell, you know, these other guys, like, hey, you know, you could be playing, too. If if KZ starting, uh, you know, what's your excuse there, Alex Land? What's your excuse there, Matu? Like, but, but I think like it comes down to the Kings making the play and making the playoffs. Harrison Barnes has to score more than 10 points a game. He has to, he has to do something other than just be blown by every night on defense. Rashawn Holmes, like if the goggles aren't working, take them off. Like if, 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 if it's, if you're, you're pissed about your, 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 your starting position being taken by a former uh, two-time all-star play better than the former two-time all-star. You know, Davion Mitchell, if you want to be in the starting group, then like shoot, shoot better than Kevin Herter, which is an impossible task right now, because Kevin Herter, who we haven't talked about, is is has gone bananas right now. But like do something that Kevin Herter can't do so that you can replace him, because right now you're not you're not doing anything like highlight real defensive plays on on SportsCenter are nice. You know, having a 10 second clip of 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 you locking somebody down is great for off night for the brand, but it, it's not doing anything when you're shooting a total of you know, 34% from the field, like do something that, that, that creates value because otherwise, you know, the Kings are going to sink and not necessarily in the next five or 10 games, but like start building your season up, like start, start the season now and get going because 
we're not going anywhere without those three guys, Holmes, Davion Mitchell, and Harrison Barnes specifically, you know, turning this corner and, and actually producing for the Sacramento Kings this season. One ray of hope as far as kind of just, I mean, regression works both ways, right? And and so far this season, Harrison Barnes is shooting 15.4% from three. That seems unlikely to continue. Like he's probably <laughs> going to shoot better from three as time goes on. Like just <laughs> his entire career's body of work suggests that uh, that he should be better than that as the season progresses. <laughs> That's great. I, I feel bad for for Kevin Herter too. I guess we, we well, let's talk about Kevin Herter for a second, guys. What have you thought of Kevin Herter's season? Uh, he's played too well. He shot uh, he shot some insane some some insane numbers from three already this season. He deserves to be talked about on this podcast before we roll into other things. How have you guys felt about Kevin Herter this season to start? I mean, he's been great. I mean, what else can you say? I mean, kind of the the neg- the regression works both ways thing, right? Like he's <laughs> well, probably no, not going to shoot. No, we're he's probably not going to shoot fifty four point one percent for the season <laughs> from three. If he does, all like you know that alone hits Monty McNair's extension, right? Like, but no, I mean he's been great, and and even if he has a couple games where he's not going to shoot quite that well and and bring those averages kind of back down to normal, I mean he's. He's been fantastic. I mean, it's been a great addition. And I know some people were kind of concerned and, and had some like PTSD of, you know, long-term protected picks and, you know, cascading pick protections. Like, but you look at the cost, you know, a highly protected first round pick for what Kevin Hurd is doing. I mean, that a trade is a huge win for the Kings and really, I mean, for whatever issues the bench has been having, the the Kings' top five guys, you know, Fox, you know, Murray, Herder, Sabonis, and, and then to a lesser extent, Barnes. I mean, that starting five group is really good and really good together. And, you know, Herder's a huge part of that. I mean, he, you know, isn't a turnstile on defense. Uh, he's, you know, can create his own shot on offense or catch and shoot. I mean, he's just doing it all right now. All right, Tony, now I need you to argue against that point, please. Uh, 7.4 three-point attempts a game. 54% from, from three, <laughs> adding four assists in there. Tell us why it's going to last forever. I'm not going to argue against that. What <sighs> I will say is I am not worried about the trade because he is not J.J. Hickson. If he was J.J. Hickson, I'd be very worried about the trade. But this, like, uh, far-out protections on a first-round pick, I think this is, a, at least so far, a great move for Monty McNair. And the one stat I pulled up for Kevin Herter is he is second in the NBA right now in points per shot attempts only behind Steph Curry. So that is pretty good. Uh, the only thing I would say for him is I would like more shots from Kevin Herter and I would like more minutes from Kevin Herter if we're talking about Mike Brown. I mean, Herter's playing 30 minutes a night, which is fine. It's a lot, but he has been maybe the second best player on this team. Uh, only behind De'Aaron Fox. It's hard. Maybe Herter, maybe Murray has been second best. So give me more, give me more Kevin Herter, more shots, more minutes. And, uh, and I'll be pretty happy. So um, yeah, sorry, Will. I'm not going to trash Kevin Herter and get some hate comments. You, you just decided to stat that said he was second in the league behind Steph Curry and something. Fine with me. It works. Okay. I can wrap my little brain around that one for a while. <laughs> well, we talked about the all-star level uh, playing of uh, uh, Fox this morning, but you know who's already a lock for an all-star game? Yeah, we were all thinking it. Sacramento Electronic Supply. We'll be right back. Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from TexLogix. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. 
stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7, www.sacelect.com. Okay, we're back. So now we're going to jump into our Anything But King segment, a segment where I give uh, Tony and Greg a chance to talk about any other game, any other team, any other storyline in sports uh, that they've uh, that they've encountered in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the only rule is you guys don't get to talk about the Kings. So uh, Tony and Greg, please go on ahead. Give me something uh, to talk about other than the Sacramento Kings. I'll let Greg go first. I, I don't have anything. I forgot about this. Segment. I got to think of something. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, I thought you were going to steal mine, so that's why I let you go first in case we have the same one. Uh, the best thing that is happening in sports right now, and I, I will admit, Will and Greg, I was feeling pretty down in that Miami Heat game. The second half, like the Kings were losing. It was going, it, it was not going well. I was tweeting very panicky, and then I saw some more tweets about how bad the Lakers are and how they're 0-5, and I got very happy. So um, – for as bad as the Kings have been at times this season, and they haven't been awful, but the record was disappointing. The Lakers being 0-5 and, and just a nightmare franchise. It's incredible how how uh, much better that can make you feel. Um, I know the Kings ha- have not been good for 16 years. That's fine. But having the Lakers really at the bottom, uh, it makes you feel good. So I haven't watched a lot of their games. I'm not going to, but that's good. That's a good thing. They haven't been on national TV a a ton. They haven't distracted me from anything. I felt no reason to tune in. All I've seen is panicked Laker tweets and some really awesome Lakers Twitter spaces. Um, So I recommend everyone check in on the Lakers if you're feeling down. (laughs) Greg, you want me to go or you, you have one? I've got something I can talk about, but it's really not sports related because mostly sports. I've just been watching Kings and 49ers. And I don't want to talk about the 49ers right now. So, uh, so non-sports, uh, two good shows I've been watching lately. Uh, uh, no, go ahead. Are, are we supposed to stick to sports? No, you can, no, you can, no, 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 no. Not here. today, Greg. We're doing whatever you want to do today, damn it. Uh, so first one is Abbott Elementary, which is in its second season, just a hilarious show. And they just had their Halloween episode. I think it's one of the best episodes that show's ever done. And then uh, the other one is a, it's only on Hulu. So it's a streaming only, uh, it's called a reboot. It's a premises around like a rebooted nineties family sitcom. And it's got Keegan-Michael Key and uh, it's got Paul Reiser and I mean, just kind of a, a weird mix of cast, but it, it's a absolutely fantastic show. That's great. I was also going to talk about uh, the Lakers, Tony. So I appreciate you uh, appreciate you throwing that one in there because that was the only thing I had rattling in my head this morning <laughs> in terms of other basketball that I'm watching. And that's it's more great. like che- I'll check in on their scores to be like, are they losing? Oh, thank God. I'm like, oh, yeah, keep going because they are the last team in the NBA without a win with LeBron James averaging like a 26 point, like nine assists, like five rebound, you know, to start the season, they still can't muster a win. I feel bad for, uh, for, for their coach, Darvin Ham, because I think he's going to be a great coach for the next team that he plays for after Rob Polinka fires him. But like, I, that's fine. Like I will spit on the grave of the Lakers any chance I get. And I fully expect that zombie hand to burst through the, the dirt claw out of the grave strangle the sacramento kings at some point this season but it hasn't happened yet so i'm in that phase where i can i can go ahead and just laugh my ass off at them uh so i guess the one thing i will say that uh my little brother got married uh this this previous weekend he is a a massive sacramento kings fan 
And the Sacramento Kings are one and zero since he and I wore our Sacramento Kings cufflinks. So, so I don't know another situation where I'm gonna have to wear cufflinks, but um, the Kings are one and zero since uh, we've rocked our Kings cufflinks. So, congratulations to my little brother Cameron and to the Kings for winning one game this season so far. That if if, if Greg gets to do shows, I get I get to do that. I I went to a wedding. So, okay, Tony, we're gonna roll over to you to the for the Patreon today. All right. Thanks, Will. Uh, on every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash King's Herald. As Will mentioned earlier in the episode, we kind of had some scheduling problems. So this question is, uh, it came in on Monday. I'm kind of going to edit it around uh, what has happened since. And it actually is kind of a decent topic we haven't talked about yet. Um, but this question came from X Mark for you on Twitter. And he um, he said, Casey Opala and Harrison Barnes have been lame offensively and teams are allowed to pack the paint it's killing Sabonis uh and the easy fix is to start Keegan Murray um, of course the Kings have already done that uh but uh Mark adds the easy um uh always start the best players stop overthinking it Kings would have at least one win if Keegan Murray was starting they do have a win now and he expects more from Harrison Barnes so I'm going to adjust this question a little bit uh, obviously Keegan Murray is starting now um but Greg I'll start with you should Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, and Davion Mitchell, the players we talked about who are currently struggling, would you stick with all of those players despite their struggles in their current roles? Uh, Barnes is starting, Holmes is backup center, Mitchell is backup point guard, or would you change any of their roles from what they currently are? I, I would stick with it for now, uh, just because when I look at the other options, there's nothing that jumps out as immediately being better. Like, it's like, yeah, we can say like Harrison Barnes has been struggling compared to what we expect him to be, but it's like, okay, who are we putting instead? Like, are we starting Trey Lyles or Terrence Davis? Because neither of them have really lit the world on fire in their minutes either. Um, if you're bumping Davion out of backup point guard, who's taking over? Are we like breaking glass on Matthew Delavidova this early in the season? Like, uh, somewhere Bryant West just yeah. woke up. <laughs> I mean, the only one that maybe you can make an argument for would be kind of rotating Len in a little bit more ahead of Holmes, but we've seen some minutes of that. And it, again, it, it's just Len's fine as a backup center. Like he just kind of is what he is, but I don't know that he's given you that much more than what Holmes is doing at this point. So I, I think unless there's a clear and obvious upgrade that is being held back, I don't see the point in kind of changing out those roles or anything like that, because yeah, getting rid of Oakwell for Murray, that was obvious to everyone because, like, hey, there's a clear better player who should be getting those starting minutes and, and the bulk rotation minutes. And so, we, yeah, we make that change. Until there's a clear better option or, or someone who even just shows flashes of being a better option, I'm not eager to change out any of those other roles just yet. Tremezi Metu will not be happy, Greg. No. That's fine. <laughs> will, would you make any I will uh, be. rotation changes? <laughs> 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 would I would I make any changes? I I, I, I kind of agree with Greg here. Like uh like we saw what Trey Lyles did in his minutes when when he had to come in for uh Keegan Murray that first game. It's it's so early in the season that like you have to like you have to ride those horses and, until they absolutely collapse out from under you because there is there is a, a decent shot uh, uh that they that they turn it around at some point that it took, you know, if it took Fox three quarters of the season to, to, to finally fully be engaged in, in, in the season last year, uh, then it's going to do the same for Harrison Barnes. So, you know, I, I mean, obviously 
uh, I have never coached at this level. I've never gotten even close, but like some of these guys, it's just, you got to look in the eye and just play better. Like whatever your problem is, whatever you, you know, if you feel like you need more minutes, play better, you know, you want to start play better and I'll start you, you know, you got to play much, much better for some of these guys, but like, you're not going to swap Matthew Delvadova in for more than spot minutes because Davion Mitchell, your, your draft pick last year, who is 24 years old is, is a little bit annoyed. He's not getting more minutes. Like, okay, well then play better. You had a great end of last season. You've had a terrible start to the season. Get back there. And, and, and I think too, I think Mike Brown obviously is going to know this because he is a guy with a complicated set of stuff. He is a guy that's known for his binders of stuff. Like some of these guys were apt to struggle because, you know, that's a lot of information to fill. Like, uh, I, I would expect that uh, 30 games into the season, if they're still averaging 10 points, if, if, if Davion Mitchell still shooting 16% from three after bragging all season about every day was 700 makes for me. Okay. Like then what's wrong? Like, like, you know, did it take you 22 hours and you got two hours of sleep every night? Like how long did it take you to make those 700? Because at, right now at 16.7%, like it, it'll take you the, it'll take you the, the breadth of 10 seasons to get the 700 threes uh, for your career. So it's just one of those things that like, it is what it is. It, it's a bad start to the season. Sure. The Kings haven't won many games because of the bad starts of the season. Sure. But like, Malik Monk has kind of escaped our wrath a little bit too. He started slow. He's just happened to have a couple of games where he's gotten hot or he's performed a little bit better than the average. So, you know, the bench has been disappointing in general, but like, unless Monty McNair is ready to dump the entire bench and one of your starters for question marks, you just, you just have to ride them out at this point. You just have to, and hope that some of them, you know, kickstart and generate some offense and defense for them. I agree for now, I do think my my leash with Harrison Barnes is shorter than the rest of those guys because I think that that moving him to the bench could solve two problems. He's obviously not contributing anything to the starting unit, and maybe if you move him to the bench, you give him the ball more, and he has some space to actually do some Harrison Barnes things. Where now, if you're looking at the Barnes situation charitably from Barnes' standpoint, you could say, well, now he's the fifth guy in an offense in an offensive scheme where he's just not getting enough touches to be productive. I don't necessarily think that's true. But Barnes maybe can make that argument. So if you move him to the bench, he becomes the primary offensive player there. And then in the starting unit, you can do some different things. Like we talked about Sabonis' foul trouble. I'm not the hugest Trey Lyles fan, but at least that's another big body in the paint that maybe he can take a foul or two. Um, And Will, you mentioned Malik Monk struggling. He has struggled. I do think his best minutes have come when he's with De'Aaron Fox on on the floor. So you could you know, do Fox, Monk, Herder, Murray, Sabonis. Um, so I do think there's, I, I would keep Holmes and Mitchell where they are right now. Uh, I do think the Barnes one, he's yeah. maybe a, a few games away from making me want to try something different because I do think the Kings have some options. Maybe no, they're not they're not great options, but you might ultimately find a, a better combination that works there. If you move Barnes to the bench, you can have the ball more and then you move either Lyles, Monk, or Davis into the starting lineup. But I agree we're yeah. probably not there yet. I think the one adjustment you might make with Barnes is like right now he's third in the team in minutes per game. Like, yeah, maybe just play him a little bit less if he's not on. Like, I mean, he's he's rarely like taking the bad shot, but he's having a lot of minutes for not much production at the moment. So it's like, okay, maybe we just take him down a little bit more and and you know give a few extra minutes to some of these other guys. But again, like. There's plenty of those minutes. Those other guys are on the floor and I want them off as soon as possible. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to wrap it up today. Um, 
I'm not, not going to end this on a, a low note necessarily, but um, we wanted to, uh, 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 you know, for the wrap up today, I want to extend condolences on behalf of the entire Kings Herald family to Deuce Mason. Uh, Dave's a huge part of the podcasting and sports radio talk here in Sacramento. He, you know, he's, he's just a, a massive part of, of the Kings fandom right now. He's a fantastic play-by-play guy over there in Stockton for the Kings there. And uh, Friday, he lost his grandmother, a woman who uh, very obviously made an incredible impact on the trajectory of his life. So Dave, uh, I don't know if you even listen to this podcast, but on behalf of the entire Kings Herald family, the commenters, writers, and everybody alike, uh, we, we mourn your loss, bud, and uh, we wish you and your family warmth during, uh, during this time. So we, we didn't want to go the whole podcast without saying anything. So Dave, if you're out there, buddy, we're all giving you a big hug and, uh, and uh, warmth for you and your family at this time, man. So uh, for everyone else uh, at the Kings Herald, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode. Uh, Greg, thank you for coming in to back up for, for, for Jerry. I know you'd have backed up for me if I couldn't have done it. So you, you're, you're a switchable guy, man. You, you play all five positions. You can guard all five positions. We really appreciate you coming on today, dude. <laughs> Anytime. I'm happy to come out and check up shots and, you know, it doesn't matter if they go in or not. You're shooting hundred percent, man. You're shooting hundred <laughs> percent. So uh, thank you to your kids too, for, for being quiet for a whole yeah, wow. one hour and 30 seconds. It's, it's, it's been a big help. So, uh, I don't know if you're allowed to give them extra candy before Halloween, but like stuff them full of sugar for us. And uh, we really appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. So, so anyways, uh, we'd like to, we'd like to thank you guys for your patience for, for waiting for this episode. I, I know it's not your, uh, your regular schedule. Uh, me, Jerry and Tony will be back in a couple of weeks and uh, we'll have a Patreon episode ready for you. We'll have, we'll have all, all the things that we missed from Jerry today. Uh, ready, ready to feed you. You guys will be hungry for some Jerry and we'll, we'll, we'll give you an extra long episode of Jerry if we have to. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.